0: Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me are Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And uh, another week of quarantine life, another week of social distancing. Uh, and uh, there's a lot going on despite the fact that there's not a lot of sports going on. Georgia flourishing on the recruiting trail. And, and we talked about one of the commitments already, but then they got another one the next day. And and, and four-star running back Lavoisier Carroll uh, new rankings out over at, over at 24-7 Sports, and, and we're going to discuss those. We're going to discuss some NFL draft and the ebbs and flows that kind of come with it. Uh, the The positive buzz has died down a little bit about one prospect uh, out of Georgia, but it's picked up on a couple more. And uh, before we get into any of that, uh, Rusty, I always like to throw it to you first, man. Uh, how's the weight loss competition going, and, uh, and, and how's uh, being shut in going for you? Oh, man. Well, the week
1: didn't start great. Uh, Obviously, the tornadoes were nowhere near uh, when they came through Rome. We had some high winds. I don't think they said it was a tornado, but we had uh, some damage. Power was out for me from Sunday about 10 p.m. until Monday afternoon around 4 p.m. Yesterday, crews close to me had a water main, so I had no water from most of the day yesterday until last night at some point. Been one of those weeks, man, but uh the weight loss challenge is is going. It is um in detail. I mean, this is I mean it's it's the overall end result's gonna be good. But my goodness, man, this everyday um this stuff right here and videos and um I did a show this morning. You know, we're splitting the teams now and and uh we we kind of picked the what we thought was the weakest link on the other team. We found out what time he was going to be in his office alone on Monday, and uh, just conveniently had two dozen Krispy Kreme donuts warm delivered to his work office. And uh, we're, we're trying to see if he got into those or not. But there's been some stuff going on. The week is young. There's still some stuff going to happen on Friday. So there's some sabotaging going on. A certain offensive coordinator from South Carolina lost a lot of weight at the end. There may be some investigation on that, what he did in the last 24 hours last week. So there's a lot going on with that weight loss competition. I'm just trying to stay in my lane and uh, stay the course.
0: I hear you. I I need to get the same thing going because, man, I I am munching on everything. I can get my hands on uh, Bloody Marys, loving them. I have rekindled my love for a good bloody mary, a little little zing zang, whatever it is, zang zing, whatever that mix is called, and uh, some pickled okra and and a little bit of Tito's, and um, my wife and I have been enjoying those. But I've been able to I've been able to tread water as far as the weight goes, but I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Uh, Kip, how's it going for you, man?
2: Just got my TV fixed. It's been a you know a rough week i remember uh texting you guys giving you guys grief because on honor was, was on disney plus and i didn't i didn't realize that it, it had made the jump to disney plus so soon and turned that that movie on and got about eight minutes into it and the, the tv just flickered black it just turned off and so uh you know laughed about that for a minute then realized it wasn't coming back on i, I wasn't in the best of moods at, at that point you know but a week later uh, got LG to come out here, and you know, got the TV fixed. I'm I'm back on that. that it's just not not the best time to lose your TV right now. Uh, I'll I'll just make that very clear, especially when Better Call Saul is putting out some of the the best TV I've seen in a while. The last three four episodes, me and Jake kind of split on the one episode, but the la- the season's been going incredible, and the writers are doing a great job with with the show that a spinoff of Breaking Bad, who would have thought that, it, you know, uh, not one of the main two characters could really be, you know, such a, such a great spinoff show. But, you know, I've been, I've been, you know, keeping up with that. And like you, I've, I've been kind of treading water a little bit, you know, getting, getting my workout in every day, but also trying to help out local businesses by ordering, you know, as much takeout food as, as my wife will let me, will, will let me bring in. And so this kind of, you know, going along with that and uh thinking about this weekend and which which restaurant we're gonna go with uh this weekend. I think uh we might have to go back up to Fred's Jake and I might have to get that, that Philly cheesesteak again.
0: Dude, Fred's Meat and Bread, Crog Street Market, Crog's whatever market, Crog Market, one of the best things I've ever had. It's just easily one of the best. I mean I I I, I can't you know with some things you try to eat slow and just kind of uh enjoy it i can't even attempt it it's it's that good it's so unbelievable their burgers awesome pretty much every place i've ever eaten up at that market is is awesome i mean uh, super rica is great uh the hot chicken place is pretty good uh the pizza place is good the mediterranean place is good if uh if you can if you're near that area and haven't eaten from there or or you know haven't eaten from there in a while definitely check it out uh but uh yeah I, for me man it's just trying to get through the weeds every day my wife and i you know we got a son one year old just turned one earlier this month and and he's got us up 5:30 at the very latest every single morning so that's pretty crazy and then you know with, with two kids under five five and under in the house and and uh, trying to help a 16-year-old with with his homework, and and both of us work, it, it's pretty crazy. We we live for 6:30 every night, so we can kind of get him to bed and and relax a little bit, and and uh, kind of get back to our. To a to a little bit of a, a quiet evening and catch up on some shows and I've still got that uh, I've still got that Better Call Saul episode, the latest one to fall back on and and I'm um, through about four or five episodes of Ozark this season so I'm trying to savor it the best I can but like I posted on Twitter a few days ago, uh, you know trying not to binge Ozark's like trying not to swallow you know big league chew I mean it's just unbelievable. Uh, how good that show is but let's jump into some georgia football georgia football recruiting and, and we got a couple different angles i want to discuss this from but starting with you rusty lavasia carroll four-star running back img academy originally from warrington georgia Given georgia six commitments in the class that hail from the peach state tell us what you know about about carroll and, and and the running back position at georgia in general when it comes to this current class
1: i've seen him one time at a camp and he was a ninth grader um, I will say this, you know, watching him great size, hundred and ninety five pound, uh, you know, gonna play easily at two hundred pounds this season as long as uh, we, we we have season.'re we're, we're hoping we're gonna have season and we keep thinking we're gonna have season, so we're gonna talk like we're gonna have a season. Uh, and here's the thing, you know people start picking apart stats and stuff. when you go to IMG and Kippa tell you this as well, you go to IMG, you might as well realize you're gonna split carries. They run the ball predominantly there. Uh, Through some different coaches, been that way. Um, when they've had skilled players, they've thrown it more. But you know, it's most of a, it's mostly a, a running type physical attack as well. The games I have seen on on, on TV, I'll, I'll say that over the years with those guys, and uh, I just think looking at him, you know, it kind of it, it did catch me off guard. And I know it caught Kip off guard. It caught all of us off guard. I knew Georgia was recruiting him. Kind of felt like he was going to end up at Florida. Uh, had I had to guess uh, on, you know, the day before that. But Dale McGee was down there twice in January. He was there once in December. He was also got to see him play once in the fall, uh, during the fall evaluation period. So, um, you know, looking at that, that's um, it's kind of a surprise he committed. It's not a surprise that Georgia took him. Let me say that. Uh, I knew he was high enough on the board for them to, if he if he winds up committing they were going to take and I think it was to his advantage uh, to take take that spot and go ahead and lock it down and uh, Georgia probably with one more left at running back position will go to work on some guys but you look at Carroll and you look under you look under Dale McGee and what he has has coached uh, and and what I know from Dale personally you know being around high school and him he likes a bigger back so you look at a guy that's you Know if this guy's going to play at 210 easily. Uh, signed Kendall Milton in the last class, so um, you got to be a bigger guy to play for Dell McGee, and he certainly fits that row. Um, certainly fits that uh, little rule, I would say, for, for Dale McGee, kind of uh, uh you know, a 200 pound plus back to play in the SEC and take those hits.
0: What, what's the one thing that stands out about him to you? I mean, if there's one thing you kind of had to it's kind of his calling card as a back. What's the one thing that, that kind of jumps out to to you about him?
1: You know, I hate doing comparisons, so I don't do it. But he's very patient when you watch him. Um, and I think that's, you know, we're all – I know I'm learning, evaluating. I'm continuously always learning. And the ability to be a patient back, I'm not comparing him to Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is a very patient back, allowing his guys to set up blocks. Um, and I think Lavoisier has a lot of that to him. When you watch him on tape, uh, you know he'll set it up. And when he gets that, when he gets that hole, he has good vision. So, uh, you know, I'm always been that guy. Can you turn third and seven into third and three, uh, and 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 be able to break that next tackle? Because uh, not everybody's going to be a home run threat. Those DeAndre Swift's probably going in the first round, the only one most likely. And that's why there's those those guys are few and far between. Doesn't mean you still can't be a good running back. Uh, the NFL and, and be a second third or fourth fifth rounder but uh, I, I just think Lavoisier has, is a very patient guy and and you put body on body and his vision uh, he's able to get you those yards and move the chains and that's what it's about in the SEC you got to be able to move the chains anybody that has stood on the sideline uh, and, and watched enough football in person to see how big and fast and strong these guys are you're not going hit a, you're not going to have those 40 50 yard runs you got to be able to turn five into 11 or 12 and he looks like to me he's one of those guys
0: yeah I can definitely see that I can also see how and I don't mean this as an advantage I don't mean this as a perk but I can see how you've got to be diverse in the run game if if you're gonna employ a back like him either that or you kind of have to have another back just like him because to me he's not your gut trap power you know you know pin and pull type running back he's a zone guy he's a put his foot in the ground get north and south and kind of blow by some guys and get ahead of steam before he kind of becomes the 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 hard to knock off his feet type guy you know i don't necessarily see a real twitchy make you miss at the second level type in him and, and that's probably one of my knocks on him to be honest with you but but I do think that that he can do some things in the run game especially the zone run game especially the outside zone run game. I mean there are a lot of backs like him that have succeeded but but he's he's not a square peg that you can force into a round hole. You've got to put him in the square hole. You've got to put him where he's supposed to be and 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 I think that another thing you have to kind of look at with him too is you know Kenny McIntosh when we were looking at his junior film I wasn't impressed I just wasn't. I mean, it just I, he didn't really jump out at me. But then you see the kid's senior film, and you're like, wow, I mean, this this guy may be maybe underrated, even as a four star prospect, even as a top 200 prospect. He may be underrated. And, and then he comes to Georgia and he shows some flashes in his first year that, that maybe he's a really darn good back. So, you know, I think that it's that's also key, too, is to kind of to see how he develops as a run back running back, because. You know, I know a lot of folks love to say it. If you don't have it when you're a ninth grader's running back, then you don't have it, and that's, that's just not true. There, there are so many instances out there of guys kind of making some moves and, and, and growing their game, rounding out their game as their career goes along. Uh, Kip, how much have you seen of Lavasia Carrolls at just film or, or what? And, and, and also, what what kind of stands out to you about
2: them? Yeah, i got to go back to the Russies first. Statement just talking about his stats at IMG. Uh, I think if, for anyone who read the commitment article, you know, or on 24 Seven, or saw that he committed to Georgia and wanted to look up the stats, you know, 571 yards, eight touchdowns, not awful stats, but but not stats that maybe catch your eye in this era of guys, you know, Nick Chubb and, and guys running for uh, six thousand yards in high school, like Zimmer White did, but. But like Rusty mentioned, at IMG Academy, I mean, you're you're going to share the rock down there. And it, it reminds me of Trey Sanders, the number one running back in the 2019 class, five-star uh, tailback. His senior year at IMG Academy, you'd think he'd be the feature back. He had 68 carries for 470 yards. He didn't even average, you know, seven yards a carry down there. Had five touchdowns, I believe. I think he had four receiving touchdowns as well, but still – you know under 600 total yards as a senior down there it, it shows you that you know you're not going to put up gaudy stats down there you're what you're going to do is you're going to have a powerhouse schedule and you're going to be able to get outstanding film for for schools to evaluate so when, when you go back and look at you know carroll averaging 10 yards per carry and scoring 10 touch, or eight touchdowns it still kind of stands out in that regard and, and what i i I remember seeing him. I believe he was. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Russia. I I saw him. Which uh, junior all star game did he did he do in Georgia before he went down to IMG Academy? Was it was it the uh, the GACA or was yeah. it right? Yeah, like he played GACA freshman year there. Yeah, and I re- that was the first time I I he caught my eye and and didn't know who he was. Made sure to grab a picture of him for a profile. Just a, a running back that. Uh, was hearing from a lot of schools and and seemed to impress the people that that were there at that event. And that was my first time seeing him. Otherwise, I've only seen him on film. I, I, I got to tell you, there are some comparisons a little bit to uh, to Tank Bigsby, just from that junior to senior jump that he might be able to make, knowing that he has a frame that could he could be six foot, 210 pounds heading into college, and a guy that. Again, doesn't doesn't waste any movement when he gets the ball. I mean, he he is a guy that, that knows where he wants to go and, and does a good job behind the line of scrimmage and, and making defenders miss when he gets in that one-on-one area. He does a pretty good job with that, but he just doesn't go down on the first hit for a guy his size. For a guy that's not yet crossing that 200-pound barrier, I think he does a good job breaking tackles, and also finishing runs.
1: So let me, I, let me let me interrupt just one second, Kip, because Kip did a great point right there, saying he makes guys miss early. There's a play on his midseason highlights. Anybody listen to this? You can go to his huddle, watch his midseason highlights at 40 seconds. It's an outside zone run against Miami Northwestern. There is immediate penetration. He jump starts over the kid and resets his feet and takes it outside into the house. And anybody that knows anything about Miami Northwestern Bulls knows that squad is loaded, and he outruns every one of them for about 80 yards. That, to me, is what Kip's talking about makes guys miss in small spaces, and then also has that home run speed. That was the one play that stood out when I really looked at him after he committed to Georgia.
2: Yeah, I just think that, again, uh, he, his, his feet kind of stood out to me. You know, Jake, you mentioned... You know, Macintosh. that's something that, that he kind of brings to the table. And, and really, Kendall Milton, you see you see a trend here with guys that Dell McGee's going after. Uh, just outstanding feet. I, you know, they may have varying times as far as the 40-yard dash and a little bit of size difference between the guys. But it's clear that Dell wants guys that, you know, have outstanding uh, footwork and have the ability to change direction when needed and have that burst when you're in a phone booth and you're in a one-on-one situation to be able to beat that defender and, and get and get out to the corner or get an angle and, and get extra yards on their run. So that, that's kind of what stands out to me about him. I think he's a guy that he's going to have to get stronger to play in the SEC. He's not going to be able to come in as is. Uh, so, again, that continued physical development. If he's 205 to 210 by the time he gets to Georgia, it, I don't think there, you know, he's going to have a problem coming in and contributing and finding a role in this offense.
0: Now, uh, Rusty, before we move on from Carroll, what does this mean for the running back position at Georgia for the rest of this class, and and how big of a priority is the running back position, even with Carroll on board?
1: It's a big priority, and, um, you know, the the whole, God, I hate to mention this to Kip, but the whole Zach Evans deal, uh, where you take Kendall Milton, and, uh, you know, you move forward into the next class uh, after going through all that, but... I think this class is – and it's always going to be this way with Georgia. I mean, we don't have to sit here and, and BS it, man. Georgia sells itself to running backs. It's can you get – you know, how many how many of those top six or seven running backs, in, in, seven or eight in each class can you get? Uh, I think Georgia's definitely looking for two. Uh, I know Donovan Edwards, uh, LJ Johnson, Cody Brown are three guys that I really talk about a lot. when I'm in state, one of them's in Texas, and one of them's in Michigan. So – you look at those guys and you uh, you just know that if Georgia lands one of those guys and, and we have talked and talked and talked about Cody Brown and some people he's not sexy enough, quote-unquote, on our board. But, listen, when you play a team like Colquitt County, who I think is one of the better programs in the state, obviously, but defensively they're so physical and so fast always. And talking to their staff after they played him, they just said, man, he was so hard to get down, so hard to get to the ground. And like I said, the ability to break tackle, the ability to get from three yards to 10 or 11. Uh, So Cody Brown's another guy that Georgia really is recruiting. Uh, You know, just my personal opinion, uh, my opinion only, I think Donovan Edwards is probably at the top of their wish list, right there with LJ Johnson out of Texas. So we'll see what happens. Cody Brown's a kid that, you know, if he ends up at Georgia, Georgia fans should be ecstatic about it. I think Georgia's still recruiting him hard. Uh, So we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: All right, Kip, uh, you're the one that kind of uh, wrote the story on this. Uh, let's talk about rankings real quick. The new Top Twenty Four Seven is out. Uh, where are Georgia's targets? And give us kind of a rundown as to what happened with with Georgia's commitments.
2: Really, kind of status quo with Georgia's commitments. Not really any any movement other than a couple guys uh, making huge jumps ahead of them in in, in the uh, Top Two Four Seven. I think the real the real story with Georgia right now is uh, two of their targets made huge moves. and Georgia's class, still, again, five guys in the top 24-7, no, no movement at all on, on the actual ratings for those guys. But you, you look at a couple Georgia targets that made huge moves in this class, it has to start, I guess, with Dallas Turner, uh, the edge defender uh, down in South Florida, moving from number, I think it was 143, to uh, number 34 in the country just a, a big move for him he was you know seen down at the under armor camp in miami and was a top performer for that he was originally listed as a linebacker it, it now kind of moved him to that edge rusher position in, in the rankings evaluating him in that way as a as a guy who's going to rush the quarterback a lot in college and i think that there's a lot to like about this guy i mean you just look at his film at american heritage last year uh and having 18 tackles for loss 15 sacks outstanding film and a guy that checks a lot of boxes and you can, it's easy to see why you know uh, a school like georgia 30 other programs at least are after this guy 6'4 235 pounds uh just has everything you look for and behind the scenes you know from talking to him and from hearing for the schools are recruiting him uh, they love this guy. They think that, you know, there's there's not really – I don't subscribe to the can't miss aspect of, of putting that label on recruits, but I think he's a guy that has a very low bust factor. He's a guy that's really winning people over from talking to him and just the coaches that are developing that relationship with him. And it's a guy that Georgia, you know, defensive coordinator Dan Lanning, they've, they've made him a major priority this cycle. Uh, did, you know, really – making the edge rush position one of the top positions they need to to get some guys in this class and, and he's really kind of been at at or near the top of their board you know they're going to lose Walter Grant Jermaine Johnson their eligibility will be up this year if, if there's a season and then having guys like Aziz Ojolari Adam Anderson being draft eligible they, they got to have some, get some edge rushers in there it's a huge position for Georgia in their defense so I think He's kind of emerged as a guy that we know is a major prospect for Georgia, and and, and seeing him move up to a, being a, a top forty prospect, I think that's you know kind of shows that the industry is falling in line with with Georgia's opinion on him, and, and so you know that's a big one that stood out to me. I think Rusty would know as well as anyone uh, about the other big riser in this rankings. That's Dylan Fairchild out of West Forsyth, moving from 188 to number 42 overall in the top 247, a guy that we've talked about this offensive line class in the state of Georgia. Everyone knows about you know, the other guys that we've mentioned, like Micah Morris, Amarius Mims, and uh, Terrence Ferguson, but Dylan Fairchild is the guy that really caught our eye this offseason being, you know, an outstanding wrestler and some of the best film in this cycle. So he's a guy that really moved up as well. Rusty, you, you know, you you've been able to kind of follow his movement in these rankings. What what do you think about him?
1: Fun quick story there. I'm doing the Corky Kale game um Friday night from Gwinnett, whatever the uh, Gwinnett baseball Brave Stadium is. We're at warm ups, five thirty that day. And the bottom – I mean, the bottom drops out, lightning and everything. And we sit there for about an hour. Uh, finally, they call the games. It's probably 6.45. This game was supposed to start at 5. Uh, and I get on my phone. I start looking for a game close. And I come up with – I forgot that Camden County was playing up here against West Forsyth. Jump in the car. I'm at you know that stadium probably 30, 35 minutes away. Call Kip, said, Kip, going to see Michael Morris, Jamie Felix, those guys, Sean Hardy, the Camden County kids, and said, don't know anything about West Forsyth, to be honest with you. Knew they had a middle linebacker. it was a pretty solid player. Kip hits me back. Hey, they got a lineman. Kids got a South Carolina offer. You know, we have nothing on him. We had no pitchers, no nothing. So, Kip tipped me off. This is a guy we am going to check out. So, I go watch him. And the one thing I'll say about Fairchild, you know, at the time he was probably 6'4", probably 260. They got demolished. I mean, they fumbled the ball on the first play. Camden picks it up, you know, to the house. Camden drives down a field. It winds up being like a 35 to nothing game at like halftime. But the thing I know about Dylan was he was playing hard. He was still playing hard. And I knew, uh, then I started talking to one of the coaches on the second half with their sideline. I said, Coach, you know, what's going on with this kid? And he's like, Man, he's one of the top wrestlers in the state. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Now that's a key word for us. Uh, You know, with work ethic and all that kind of stuff that that brings to the table, so that kind of jump started. You know, twenty four seven knowing about Dylan, who had a South Carolina offer at the time, he was still way under the radar, and kind of put something out on him. That was that was the end of it. Well, fast forward to wrestling season, the kid wins a seven A state championship. We're checking him out. You know, we got some early evals in like January. We we rank him up. Uh, Ranking committee likes him. Until about three weeks ago when I got a verified height and weight on him. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, you may know, we got to wrestle like 285 and under in high school heavyweight. Um, I think that's right. I, I, I
0: really don't know much about think, high school wrestling at all.
1: I think it's like 285 is heavyweight and under. And I think, uh, so I knew he was there at least. Well, we got a verified height and weight on him. He's right at 6'4 right at 6'5", 290. And... A half, six, five, two 90. and uh, he's going to wrestle again next year if that's willing that's going on. And uh, the more we dug into him and the more we watched his tape, everybody that's involved in our ranking committee as well, he's just a fast – and i tell you what, man, he just checks all boxes. I mean, he's a smart kid. He's got length. He's got – definitely got definitely got length on him, wingspan. Uh, we got verified height and weight. He's around 290. Uh, impressive, impressive young man, resume. And that's that's why we do this. I mean – um, you know a year ago nobody knew anything about Dylan a year ago right now nobody knew anything about him uh, he had no offers no nothing and not playing for a great team at West Forsyth at the time to be honest and um, just crazy how all that worked out because uh, he would definitely have been found but me going to that game that night by chance and then kept telling me hey check this guy out um, all those cards kind of sped him up to get him on the map a little bit during the fall and uh, that kid's done a lot of work, and he is a big time. He is a big time uh, prospect, definitely uh, for some schools. Georgia, Auburn, all those guys are in the mix.
0: Let's take a quick break here, and on the other side, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL draft. If you're listening to the Junkyard Dogcast, then you're obviously interested in University of Georgia athletics and mainly football. Well, over at Dogs Twenty Four Seven, right now we're offering a a. Promotion of 12 months of VIP access for 60% off. Now, if you do the math on that, that's over seven months free when you sign up for a full year. And what that gets you is it gets, it gets you access to our experts. Myself, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, recruiting team all of those things you we we do vip chats we do x's and o's breakdowns we do recruiting insider notes and the granddaddy of them all dog treats every monday morning recruiting focused, letting you know what's happening with the university of georgia and and recruiting and and even the team at times so check come check us out give us a try 12 months 60 percent off incredible deal and uh you've got another day and a half to take advantage the offer ends on April 16th at eleven fifty nine p.m. so act now all right uh, Kip you wrote a story uh, today discussing Jake Fromm and uh, our, our National Desk also wrote a story discussing Jake Fromm National Desk got some uh, information from an interview that Jim Nagy the uh, the uh, uh, head of the Reese's Senior Bowl said that that he's hearing some first round buzz around Jake Fromm. I'm not sure I buy that, but I do buy the premise behind it, which is, you know, teams are kind of falling in love with his brain at this point and, you know, that that's something you can't teach. It's, you know, a, a, a molecular understanding of the game of football. Uh, you, you also have uh, Ian Rappaport reporting that there's some positive buzz around him. Uh Kip, just just starting there, man, what are your thoughts on on the Jake Fromm uh, buzz kind of I guess, what are we now, about eight days before the draft?
2: I don't think any of us, and frankly, most Georgia fans, should be surprised by this buzz with Jake Fromm. I mean, who didn't think Jake was going to kill the interviews? I think we said when Jake declared for the draft that that part of the process is over. He'll knock that out of the park, there's no question. So it's it's interesting to watch, like you said, these ebbs and flows, the kind of roller coaster, because obviously the Combine – I would not. No one would say that that was you no know, the best as far as his stock, at least from the physical aspect. But we also knew that too. I mean, we knew everything that we were going to know about Jake from uh, before the really the draft process began. We knew that he wasn't going to have the strongest arm out there, and we knew that he wasn't going to test off the charts. But then we also knew at the combine he was going to interview very, very well with, with teams that are able to do that. So now with you know no no real pro days the scouts can't get out on the road they can't do in-person visits and they're relegated to talking to prospects uh you know basically through zoom meetings Uh, i i think that definitely you can see why that would help someone like jake Fromm. this is this is where he's you know at his best when when he gets to you know just talk the game of football and, and be confident. He's never lacked confidence. He came into Georgia as a freshman, came in there with, with an established starter in Jacob Eason, and was basically fearless. You know, in that competition, didn't win the competition outright, but was ready when his name was called in, in game one, and and you know, stepped right to the forefront of a team that had senior leadership, and and, and stepped right into that role, and and maintained it for for three years at Georgia. So I, I think in that regard, there's there's no surprise whatsoever. As far as the actual stock, when it comes time for these teams to make picks, I'm not entirely sure how much that's going to affect everything. I still think that teams are going to be looking for something different in, in round one and maybe even in round two, a guy that you know they think is, is coming in and, and has, I guess, Long-term, upside it's, uh, as a quarterback, a starting quarterback in the NFL, and I think maybe there's mixed opinions on on where Jake falls in that. So I think overall, as far as his actual where he's drafted is concerned, I, I still think we're right, kind of where we were last week and talking about uh, is he going to go in the third round? You know, that's where I'm kind of at with him. Other Georgia guys. I think you know there could be some some stock shifting up and down with, with some of the offensive linemen maybe, but with Jake, I, I'm still right where where we were last week.
0: You know, I, I've always tried to be like I always want to be really respectful of Jake Fromm because, uh, you know, Kip, you mentioned it just. When he came into that App State game in 2017, I don't think folks remember how stagnant the offense was before he came in. He comes in, all of a sudden it starts moving to football, and and George is able to put up points and eventually kind of run away with that game. Uh, But but I think Jake Fromm has done some did some done some tremendous things at Georgia that that game winning drive at Notre Dame, the one that resulted in the go ahead field goal uh, was a big drive for him. Uh, He had a really good showing in on the game winning drive or the game tying drive in the in the Rose Bowl that year. Uh, You know, he's obviously owned Florida the past two years. Some played better against Florida than any Georgia quarterback in a very, very long time. Uh, so he he has done some really good things at Georgia. and I think everybody understands that there's some limitations there. He's not six four. He's not a four seven guy, four five guy, four six, any of that. he's he's got smallish hands, but but he's also not limited in some areas where some other guys are limited. And we talked about I talked about this on on our last podcast, our last full one is the fact that he's going to understand it all he's going to know everything that's going on with the offense he's he's if he doesn't understand it right away if it doesn't click with him immediately he's going to figure it out that's just where what he's made of that's just part of his makeup and and listen i i i I had my doubts and, and still do about him being able to actually just put an entire football team an entire offense on his back and carry him but Let's face it, there are very few guys in the game today that can actually do that. You're, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. You know, even even Drew Brees and Tom Brady are a little limited in that regard because of their you know their inability to kind of make plays with their legs. They, they can do it to an extent, but they don't have as high a ceiling when it comes to that as a, as a Deshaun Watson or maybe even a Cam Newton does. Like When, when those guys are on and, 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 and going – it, it's really it, almost impossible to stop them if they've got it going w- with their legs and their arm and and everything clicking. Uh, but but I, I think that what we're looking at here, and, and I don't know, necessarily know what buzz to buy into at this point in the process because there's a lot of misinformation out there. But I will say this, I could absolutely see a team that – trades up into the mid late second round to make sure they get him because they just feel like he's a can't miss element to a team can't miss starter I would never say that I don't think anybody's a can't miss starting quarterback in the NFL but I think he's a can't miss element to your football team because I think at worst he's the guy that stands there with his hat on with a clipboard is ready to play when it's time to play knows exactly what to do where to be and he's not going to be rattled And I think those are very key, you know, key components. I'm not saying you're drafting him to be your backup quarterback. You don't do that in the second round. But you do that knowing that he is a more than competent backup quarterback in the league, that he's probably one of the best – you know, 60 quarterbacks in the league, and 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 that he can actually do that for you and hold that spot down, and 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 do it in such a way that, that he can also help your football team in other ways, uh, whether it's you know knowledge and, and and grooming young guys for the offense or whatever. Uh, Rusty, ha- has your opinion changed at all based on what we said last week? Because I think you took the slight over on the on the 100th pick.
1: I'm I'm there. I mean, he's anywhere from my opinion, he's anywhere from uh, middle third to late third maybe um, and whatever the opinions of Jake Fromm I mean we all three have maintained he's going to be impressive in an the interview there's no question and in fact you know this this not being able to be face to face like they they would have uh, you know before this this pandemic really really uh, probably hurt someone like him because Jake sitting in front of you impressive young man um, you know knows the game if you can get up on the board I know they're doing those things probably in zoom meetings and stuff but to to get there and watch him do something uh, on the board I'm sure it would have been impressive, these guys and, and in person and be able to do multiple people at once and just his presence that uh, he carries and, and you know I'm still gonna say because uh, I've made it last week I'll, I'll say you know 10 I think it was 103 I think to Philly I'll still go a little bit above 100, but it will not surprise me at all if he's anywhere uh, between 75 and 110. Uh, I think Will Greer went last year at 100, so uh, we'll we'll see if if he is around that area.
0: Now, uh, also hearing a little bit of positive buzz by Andrew Thomas, Uh, Kip, who was it today that reported that that they – Matt Miller, I believe it was, right, at Bleacher Report? Had had him as the number one tackle. He's talked to some teams that have him as the number one tackle in the draft.
2: Correct. And at this point, my reaction—that's the opposite of from like What took everyone so long? I mean, like Jake, you and I have said—you've said this so many times. I just think teams are overthinking this. We're looking at the the offensive tackle group in general. Yes, it's strong. It's a very strong year. If you need, you know, a starting left or right tackle, you, you picked a good gear to need one. But at the same time, I just don't know what questions are, are left with Andrew Thomas. I mean, he's got the three years of outstanding film. He's got the size of the measurements. I mean, Jedrick Wills at Alabama, Makai Beckton at Louisville, and Tristan Wirfs from Iowa, outstanding prospects as well. But, you know, just seeing article after article and opinion after opinion with, of people talking about Thomas being the fourth guy, Thomas potentially, you know, going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at number 14. Uh, the You know, Cleveland and, and the Jets at 10-11 have been mentioned a lot, which, again, if they're there, they're, they shouldn't hesitate to take them. But it just seems like, you know, again, they're overthinking this with Andrew. He's came, he came in and, and gave 42 games of outstanding play at, right tackle and then left tackle in the sec and played at an extremely high level throughout. And, you know, he, he's got as much tape as you can ask for, uh, from the offensive line position. And it's, it's, it just seems that maybe he's not the first offensive tackle off the board, but just being discussed as potentially the first offensive tackle, it just has not happened as much as you would think, you know, from now six six to nine months ago, we were talking about Andrew Thomas as potentially, you know, being maybe inside that top five, and now we're talking probably inside the top fifteen. And for me, I just think that the the GMs, the scouts, maybe those opinions are being withheld, and maybe he will be the first offensive tackle taken. I just think it's kind of uh, puzzling to me that he hasn't been discussed as potentially being the best offensive tackle in this class uh the athleticism is there for me and you know he's got everything you look for and he's a guy you just lock and load at left tackle and you don't have to worry about that position barring injury for the next decade with andrew thomas and and he has pro Bowl potential as well he's going to play at a high level uh i i think for for a long time and if you got a pick five to ten and you don't have a a guy that you've locked and loaded at left tackle right now that you trust to protect your quarterback, then you should be looking at Andrew Thomas as being that pick and heavily evaluating it. So just having him in the discussion to be that first guy is something I think that we're coming into uh, 10 days before the draft, less than 10 days before the draft. I think that should go more to the, the front of the conversation uh with those other guys and it just if it's just happening now then maybe the the truth is starting to get out and, and the opinions are starting to get more into focus I just find it interesting that from when the season ended until now uh it's been you know some of these other guys being discussed and and, and maybe Andrew Thomas has been kind of in the background more than he should be
0: yeah and, and that's what makes me want to uh, not want to but like more inclined to believe the buzz on Andrew Thomas is because you know it was a slow but very small decline for him I mean I know at some point during the season somebody had him as the number one pick and then all of a sudden you start trickling down and and it went into kind of the, you know, some people had him in the 20s. I think I remember Bucky Brooks had him like 23 overall. And then he climbed back up, consensus top 15 guy. And then now you're starting to hear a little bit more buzz. There, there wasn't as much elasticity there in terms of, of of kind of where teams thought about him. And and I, I'm 100% with you. And I do think teams have maybe overthought it if that's the way they're truly feeling about it. Because I see a guy that that has elite length. He has perfect uh, size for a tackle, six, five, three, twenty. He's a great athlete. now now he's got some technical issues. He gets his weight out over his toes a little bit and he lunges at guys some and spends some time on the ground. he's got some got some balance issues that I think he can get fixed. but but ultimately, I think he's a, still a very high upside high floor guy that that is the most sure thing in this draft. And uh, Rusty, I, I guess I thought you now what do you think about maybe this buzz that Andrew Thomas may be the first tackle off the board?
1: Doesn't surprise me because I've said all along that I said, you know, we talked about it. It would not shock me if somebody didn't have him uh, at least number two on their board privately, but he's got a lot of game tape, man. He's got a lot of game tape. And, again, you want to talk about one of the more impressive people to talk to? Go talk to Andrew Thomas. You were talking about a polished, put-together dude. Andrew Thomas, uh, you know, coming from Pace Academy as well, you know, he's, he's a very high academic kid. Doesn't surprise me that, that, that there's some buzz on that. I've maintained, I, I, I don't think he'll go outside of top 10. I mean, Cleveland could wind up taking him there uh, at number 10, but, but, um, you know, I just, I think the Jets are 11 and all those guys need tackles to protect those young quarterbacks. But I just, it doesn't surprise me. And I, I'm, I cannot wait for this draft next week to see how these offensive tackles unfold because all of them are very, very good. I mean, I'm not just because we cover one and no one, we're not saying he's better. These are very, very talented uh, guys that will be talked about for a long time and how they how they wind end up uh, with NFL careers and how they do because they're going to get drafted high and a lot of money uh, involved there. So. See how Andrew Thomas does. Doesn't surprise me at all uh, if he goes, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth. But uh, I'll be surprised if he goes past ten. We'll see.
0: Yep, and and you know, I, this comes on the heels of all that positive Isaiah Wilson buzz, and and you know, he's a guy that I, I still think is going to be a top fifty guy. I think that teams are going to fall in love with him. I personally think Isaiah Wilson could be. And I wrote this uh, in three things I know, three things I think that Isaiah Wilson can be a 15 year NFL player holding up at right guard, win a couple Super Bowls, make several Pro Bowls. I mean, I think he's going to be great. I think that the lack of the lack of knowing for an absolute fact that he can flourish at tackle in the NFL is going to kind of hurt him a little bit but at the same time he's still young he's still got a long way to develop and uh you know i tell you what the the, the nfl is about to get an influx of georgia offensive linemen because we know for a fact that three of them are going to get picked going to be shocked if if solomon McKinley doesn't get picked and and uh you know i'm interested to see how many bulldogs go in general i think there's a good chance georgia ties a school record with eight i think there's a good chance georgia breaks the school record with nine and uh you know i, I kind of wanted to get y'all's take on this before we left i, I in that same article that i wrote this morning I, I brought up the fact that I think that this this shutdown is going to help players from Georgia, Alabama, LSU, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, some of these teams that play against really good teams week in and week out because when it comes – you know, when it gets down to the nitty-gritty and you didn't get a chance to work this guy out, you're going to flip on that tape and watch how he played against LSU and you're going to watch how he played against Georgia or, or against Alabama and that's going to help a guy – Maybe get drafted to fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, as opposed to being signed as an undrafted free agent. These teams are going to want to lock in their rights to these guys because they know what they can do against elite level competition, and there's a little bit less of an unknown without the workouts. Uh, Rusty, anything, anything to that in your opinion, or am I a dummy?
1: No, I'm with you. I'm with you on that, and I was. No, dang! If you could saw my I head, tried
0: box, I tried to box you in there. I was like, "Rusty's either gonna call me a dummy on this podcast, hey, or he's gonna agree with me."
1: Man, I wish you could see my head. Now I was like, "Damn, Jake's all over this." But uh, I'm excited next week, boys. Um, draft. I mean, this man, we need it. I'm so interested in how they're gonna do this. And the one thing that uh, you know was funny is they are going well beyond their means, and they're making it very clear. You better not leak a draft pick to a reporter, because uh, you could watch. You know, the last couple of years, you could watch Twitter. At the same time, you'd be way ahead on the draft. You know, you would be way, you'd be a minute two ahead of the draft. Uh, as, as, you know, some of these guys, Adam Schefter, and some of those guys, Jay Glazer, and all those, you know, they were they were ahead of the time. Well,
0: Rusty, real quick, let me let me Kip and I communicate during every NFL draft. Yeah. And and well, man, thanks. it has been hilarious the last couple, two or three years. The team before the neck the pick where a Georgia guy's gonna come off the board, Kip or I'll send each Kip, me or Kip and one will send each other a, a message over this uh Google Hangouts and we'll just kinda be like, Hey, here it comes. It's already been reported. And then we're over here getting a story ready. <laughs> well you know, five minutes ahead of time because you know it's coming.
1: Yeah, well this year, I mean they, they are I mean they are openly saying, you better not leak it. So it's going to be interesting because, listen, these guys that do all this stuff, it's funny when I talked to um, David Andrews a couple weeks ago and I asked him how it got out, and he said, man, you know, Ian Rapport reported it, and he goes, I wasn't even home from the hospital yet. He said, I just had got home, and, you know, we were going to sit back a couple of days and just relax and see how it goes. He goes, my wife texts me and he goes, hey, it's out. And and you know, so these guys are extremely connected. Not only are they connected through the teams, they're connected through the agents. So uh it might be the agents that leak this. Hey, you know, my kid just got drafted by the Eagles, you know, here. So there's gonna be some leaks, but we're gonna see we're gonna it's gonna be some tests next week. Who can break those things and maybe they won't. It's kinda like ruining a kid's moment. Just we're all here. Nobody has to race uh, for this. The information's there. Uh, just watch those guys do their uh, do their thing. But Going to be exciting just to have some excitement of real uh, a draft weekend, and I guarantee you, we'll all watch all three days to see how that goes all the way through into Saturday night.
0: And I can't wait for that. I can't wait for some PGA golf. Like I'm, I'm starving for to see a to see a ball fly around or see some rosters changed or something like it's. It's got to happen, Kit. What What do you think about that? Do you think there's any credence to the idea that that these guys with with you know, high-level tape against high-level competition, maybe have an advantage of, of getting selected and teams wanting to kind of swoop them up before the they hit the open market in that undrafted free agent frenzy? Uh,
2: I think there's no doubt. I think without having the the pro days and without being able to see these guys work out in person, uh, those are there are gonna be some questions that are still unanswered on a lot of guys out there. And there's no hiding what you put on film at georgia you're playing too many marquee opponents uh to not be able to put film out there that can be evaluated at a high level so i i think it definitely helps georgia you know back to that original kind of question on on guys being drafted i I put out a piece uh, earlier in the week just kind of giving my own projection i think we can all kind of agree that six guys from georgia are going to be drafted this year i mean jake from solomon kinley uh, Andrew Thomas, DeAndre Swift, Isaiah Wilson. I'd be I'd be shocked if if J.R. Reed isn't drafted as well. So then you kind of get into some 50/50 situations. You know, is does Lawrence Cager? You know, did he show enough when he was healthy to get him drafted? You know, I kind of lean towards him being an undrafted free agent. But then at the same time, Tyler Clark, a guy that was not invited to the combine, still. I uh, cannot understand why he was not invited to the combine, but he's a guy I think a team does take a, you know, chance on him in the sixth or seventh round, and then Rodrigo Blankenship, you know, being one of the top two kickers available in this draft, I think one team will take a chance on him in the, in, in you know, in the later round. So I'll put the over under at eight, like you said. I think they'll tie the mark. And Then you got other guys like Brian Harrion, you know, you got tight ends like Charlie Warner and Eli Wolf trying to, to get their name in the fold, and linebacker Tate Crowder as well. It only takes one team to like one of those guys. But as of right now, I, I think having eight guys drafted is uh, a good over-under for Georgia in this draft.
0: I'll tell you what, if, if Denver, my favorite team, called me in the sixth round, they said, hey, you got to pick a guy uh, right now, need to take a guy that's on the board, I'm probably going to take Tyler Clark if he's there. I just think Tyler Clark's an NFL player. I think he's a guy that's going to stick around the league for a while. I've always been a big Tyler Clark guy, though he kind of disappeared as a sophomore. I was a, as a junior, and and didn't really live up to to what he played like as a senior, and didn't definitely didn't live up to what he had played like at the end of his sophomore year. But I think that's the guy. If I'm a Georgia fan, I'm I'm anxious to see what happens with him because I think he's going to be a really good football player at the next level, and I think he's got all the tools. Uh, that's all we got for this show, everybody. We'll be back with you guys next week, and it'll be right before the NFL draft, and we'll have a lot to talk about. But for this episode, I'm Jake Rowe. He's Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. We're all from Dogs 24-7, and this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take it easy, everybody.